Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Having dinner, so I'm just going to have a little eat. That's all right. Yeah. Sharing. Is that Chelsea speaking? Chelsea, would you like to come up here, love? Can you come? Chelsea and I met tonight. I think we're going to find it very easy to remember each other's names. Take a seat. You can't eat them. Yeah. All right. They're mine. So they're just going to stay there. Do you like to season your chips? Okay. Well, guess what? I've got you covered. But, Chelsea, I am going to let you eat these chips, but you can't eat them until we season them. Okay? Beautiful. Before we season them, just let me let people know a little bit about salt. A little bit of trivia for you, everyone. Salt. What do we use salt for? Enhancing taste, flavour. You know, that's what we use it now. But do you know, Chelsea and everyone else, that in the ancient world, they used salt for a lot of things, okay? So, yes, it was a flavour enhancer, just like now. It was also what they called a preserver of life because they actually used to put it in the fertiliser in the ground to make sure the nutrients were balanced so that they would grow good crops. So they would call it a preserver of life. They also um, used to use it as currency in some um, areas because it was so valuable and so helpful. And that's actually where the word salary comes from. Salt, salary, what's the salary going to be? It's also a metaphor for wisdom in the ancient times. They even used to put salt on the wicks of their candles to make it burn brighter. So it used to bring light. So this was extremely important and it was actually classed as a requirement of life. You needed salt in the ancient world to actually do the life the way we did life. So it was actually really, really important, really amazing and had so much to do with the way they did life. It was really, really important. So there you go, Charles. So we should put some on? Well, hang on. Because also, do you know in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 in the Bible, do you know what it says? Come on. Oh, my mum's in the house. She knew that one. Um, You are the salt of the earth. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and the people gathered around him, the Israelites and everyone, you know, that the Jews and so forth who should know the Scriptures. He says, you are the salt of the earth. So what does that mean? Does that mean we make our chips taste good? Well, it would in our day, right? But back then, they knew what that meant. That meant that you are preservers of life. You are a requirement. You are a metaphor for wisdom. You make um, things burn brighter. You give life. You are a requirement for life. It's so important. You need to be poured out in this world for them to have life. It was a really important thing that he was saying. Interesting, hey? So, Chelsea... You can have the salt on your chips, but you can't move it. So as long as you can get the salt out of there without moving it, you can salt the chips, you can eat the chips. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 
They smell good, don't they? Yes. Would you like a hand? Would you like a hand? Yes, please. Okay. Can I have a chair? Only once they're salted. This is your chair. Don't. Uh, you moved it. Watch it. Oh, it's a salt grinder, by the way. You are committed. Andrew, Andrew, come up here. You can join Chelsea. So when we salt these chips, you can eat them. Because that was amazing. Like come up here. <laughs> okay. It's not very helpful if she can't get the salt out of the shaker, right? She can't get the salt. She can see the salt. We know the salt's going to make those chips taste so much better. But if you can't get the salt... Out of the container, how do you salt the chips and have good chips? We can't, right? Well, that is exactly the point that, that Jesus is trying to make because he goes on to say, what good is salt if it's lost its flavour or you can't get to it? You can, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Basically, if you can't get the salt out of the shaker, it is worthless. What's the point of having it? And that's what he was trying to say to the people around him. You are life givers. You are a requirement. You have wisdom. You, have preser you are preservers of life. You can give so much to this world. But if you get stuck in your little container, what good are you? Ouch. Right? Ouch. When God asked me to talk on this a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, one verse, really? And then I, when he started kind of, you know, giving me more, I'm like, oh, okay, I hear you. I hear what you're trying to say to us. What good are we, salt of the earth, if we are stuck in our little container? If our container is our comfort zone, okay, as Christians, where do you think this probably is? Church. Yes. <laughs> Point for you, Jess. In church, okay, we feel really comfortable talking about God in here, don't we? I'll pray for you. Oh, the Lord's been speaking this to me. And, you know, um, here's this Bible verse. And, yes, let's pray out loud and let's worship and let's, let's spread the love and the life of Jesus in here because everyone thinks like me and they won't judge me. But you know what? We are the salt and we have the life giver already. But the people that don't know our Jesus, they don't have that. And if we get stuck in our little jar and we actually pretend that we're making a difference, guys, and I'm including myself in this, we have lost the point. Because our Jesus is telling us, hello, are you listening to my own very words here? If you are salt and you lose your flavour, your ability to give flavour, be poured out, then you are worthless to me. How can you partner with me to make a difference in this world if you don't get out of your container? What good are you if you have all the life-giving knowledge and the understanding of who I am and you don't share it with others? What good are you for me then? 
Why do you know the story of who I am? And you're learning and you're changing and you're growing and then you keep it to yourself? What good are you to me then, our Jesus says? I think that's a really good one to think about. And you know what? Over the corona saga, the drama, drama, you still can't move it, guys. Um, Over the drama saga, the old COVID, you know, it's been the talk of the town. Um, One thing that I found really interesting about talking to people from New Spring, and this is no judgment, so many people went, oh, you know what, I'm actually just really looking forward to the break because I do so much and I'm tired. And I was like, wow, you know what? If we really reflect on that, I think we've missed the point what church is about. Because if we're getting so tired grinding the wheel of super cool programs and, you know, helping out and and getting our hands on the wheel and it's just tiring and it's constant, maybe that's not what we're here for in this place. Because Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He doesn't say, work so hard until you're drained and you're waiting for a break. That's not what Jesus said. So hang on a minute, have we kind of got things a little bit flipped around maybe? You know, maybe um, I know for myself that being having the ability of doing, which I love doing, I love being Jesus' hands and getting there and giving him help with all these different things I can do. And in COVID, all those opportunities were taken out of my hands and I had to stop and be and I had to learn to be the salt and become saltier by just sitting under the presence of my God and allowing him to enhance, you know, who he is in my life because I could only be, you know. Sometimes I think it's not that not helping out. We want you to help out in the building. I'm not saying we don't want anything done, okay? Otherwise, Brett's going to be like, oh, you just took all our volunteers. What are you doing? (laughs) But... We don't want to get to the point where we think, I'm changing the world because I'm grinding away inside the building and I'm spending hours upon hours of my time and energy in here and I'm changing the world. But so hang on, hang on, are we? Or are we just getting really busy on good things? You know, because there's people out there that need the salt and we're the salt. And so it's not that these things are bad, but it's good to really consider where is my time and energy going? Where am I giving my life? Where am I enhancing flavour? Where am I bringing life? Where am I bringing wisdom and brightness into the world? Am I getting a little bit lost here and I'm just doing super good things, but I'm not actually giving out that life-changing story of God and who I am in this world? I think it's a really great question. And um, as staff, we were talking about this after COVID when we came back together and what we'd learned and what we were seeing and so forth. And one of the decisions that we've made and you'll start to see roll out is that if as a staff, as a leadership group with Dave and and Brett and Andrea and Nathan and and the other leaders in the church, if we're actually having so many things in the building that need to be done that everyone's so busy and everyone's needed to just pour time and energy and constantly in here all the time just to make things run, then we're not really communicating the go out and be the salt message to all of you. 
Because we're going, oh, no, no, be the salt. Go out, go out. That's what Jesus said we were to do. But we've got so many things we need everyone to do that we need to stay in here. So what I want to encourage you that you're going to see is that over the next little generation of, um, of what we're doing in this next section of our um, church story is making sure that we don't create too many things that we're all just super busy thinking we're making a difference. But what we're always doing is just running stuff. And once again, there are amazing programs and it's not like we should do nothing, we should just sit around and be lazy, but it's like being intentional about where we place our salt, being intentional where we pour out that we're actually making life-changing decisions, that we're available for these people, that we don't get stuck in this little jar, but we actually pour out where that life is needed. And it isn't just the church building, but it's our comfort zone, you know. Do we find that certain people that are easier to talk to because they a little bit think more like me or they're, you know, um, oh, I, I don't talk to that neighbour because, but I, I don't mind talking to that neighbour. You know, it's, it's, it's comfort zone. It's not just the church building, but it's, it's getting stuck where we actually have life to give and we don't give it. And that's a question only you will be able to um, reflect on and talk to with God because it looks different for everybody. And it's not that we want you all to just, you know, the music team's quitting, Aaron. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're, go- we're going out. We don't have any time. That's not the point. But it's about, you know, where am I giving my life and where does God want me to pour out that life-changing beautiful, amazing story and give my time, my energy that actually makes real change where people are finding their Lord Jesus Christ and they're getting discovered and they're becoming more and more of who they are because my presence is there, that I'm available, that I'm pouring out my salt to these different areas of the world. I think that's a really interesting quote that says, don't hang out with the wrong crowd. And I think usually when we talk about that, we say, I don't hang out with the wrong crowds. I don't hang out with people that influence you to do bad things. And um, right, good. That, that makes sense, right? That's good. But I think it's really interesting when we talk about the wrong crowd because I think sometimes we use that as a really good excuse to not go around people that we find difficult, you know, it's like, oh, I'm hanging around with the wrong crowd. You know, you hang out with people that like uplift you and that, you know, that aren't doing bad things because I'm a Christian. You know, we kind of use it as a bit of an excuse. But if we look at the life of Jesus, who's the wrong crowd? Because when I look at him, I mean, he's having some pretty good parties with some pretty unsavory people on, you know, moral terms. He's there with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and they're, they're having great, you know, things. And who are the people out the front going, why do you hang out with that scum? Who are they? They were the churchies people. Okay, that was all the religious leaders who'd been studying the word and doing all the right things. They were the ones standing at the front challenging Jesus on why on earth he was in there with such scum, such scum. And Jesus is like, oh, you fools, you have totally missed the point. I didn't come here for people who already have all the answers. I came here for the sick. I came here for the people who need it, who need the salt who need the life poured out to them. That's why I'm here. So the wrong crowd, the wrong crowd is when they're influencing you. But the question is, 
who's influencing them? So we want to be with the so-called wrong crowd. How do they see light? How do they know what life looks like if you're not there? If you're not showing the love of Jesus and the change that he makes in our lives, if you're not there, if you're not influencing them, how do they see it? So we can tell ourselves, don't hang out with the wrong crowd. You're not just going to sit in church where it's holy. And then all those people that are crying out for change and have never seen a different way, there's no one there because we're all in here. Mm, they're getting cold. <laughs> nice and soggy. We all know that these chips only last about 10 minutes, don't we? <laughs> That's because you've eaten them by then. We don't know how terrible they are. But do you know, even just in my own um, circles, there's even um, areas that are crying out right now for help. Let me tell you a few of them that are just around here. Sorry, Calamunda people, I don't know your area. So <laughs> this is just around New Spring. Do you know that the Armadale Football Club, the junior club, the president and the vice president are really needing some help to run that club? They're really struggling. They're like, oh, we just need someone who knows how to organise and so forth. Okay? They were hanging out for some salt in the life of their club so that they can actually provide football for these little people and they can have good role models. Do you know that? Do you know that there's playgroups all around the different area that would just love more people to go to it? There's a little playground, playgroup down um, near Grovelands Primary School and they actually um, don't get any funding if people don't come each year and then they'll have to close. And I had this beautiful experience with this lady who stood up in front of all these different social workers, which, you know, with part of my role in the church, I was in there. And she was terrified. She was this gorgeous little mum, had her tiny little baby with her, shaking, telling us all about this playgroup because she so desperately wanted it to stay open. And I thought, could you imagine if our young mums with their babies went and joined that playgroup and brought salt? Not only they got to have this beautiful playgroup stay open, but then they've got these wonderful women who are actually speaking into their lives and they're talking about what it's like to have sleepless nights and how do you, you know, do the nappy thing and the weeing thing and thank God I'm over that. Um, but all that, you know, how do you do all that together? What salt, what life for those people, you know? Do you know that at Grovelands Primary School, they have the Fathering Project, which is where basically dads get together with their kids and they do different activities, but it takes someone to run it, right? They have 12 dads who are really hanging to be part of the Fathering Project, but not any one of them is confident in running it. And they need someone to run that event, um, four events a year, and where dads come together with their young kids and they play and they encourage good fathering and they just have life together. Can you imagine if one or two of the dads from here went and organised that and had a team of blokes that got together and did like go-kart building and snaggers and whatever else dads do with kids, you know? That's salt, Right? That's life-giving. That's partnering together and, and learning how to actually be a dad in this world. Life-giving opportunities. Um, as you would always hear when I'm up here, do you know there's a mentoring program ran at Grovelands Primary School um, that we actually fund as New Spring. We do, um, 
you just really believe, you want to see what, the, what salt looks like in a place, um, just our team being there. That's all the staff, they say, just being here for some reason, it's different. Now, we are yet to go to the point like, yeah, because we're the salt, <laughs> right? We're showing that. Our presence, your presence, you are salt. It's not that they want you to be salt, as in like act it out. It's that you are. Your presence brings life with Jesus in your heart. That's what he's trying to tell us. Um, That mentoring program was the first one asked back by all the staff when COVID closed everything down. They said to the principal, can you please get the mentoring program back from New Spring? Can you please get that back? Because it changes our school. It brings life to get out there, guys. What about your neighbours? Do you know them? Do you chat to them? Are you part of their world? Because it doesn't have to be something outrageous. I don't want you to all of a sudden be doing all these different things and feel like you've got to go out and do, 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 and tick a box and tick a box. Good Christian, good Christian, salt giving, woo! It's in those little things as well. Do you know your neighbour? Do you have time to have a cup of tea with your wife? Do you play with your children? Have you called your mother? You know, like, it's not always big, elaborate things. Jesus is in the small as well. Your colleagues, your family, do they have the salt? You know, the interesting thing about salt, we're almost there, guys, is um, salt actually can't lose its saltiness. Weird verse, right? It can't lose its saltiness, right? So, because I'm really sciencey, sodium chloride, NaCl, I had to Google that. Um, it can't lose it, right? It only gets watered down and gets less salty or, or whatever if it gets contaminated. So salt is pure and it's rich, but it's only when other things kind of get in the way and mess it up and so forth. That's when it, it loses saltiness. So it's actually pure, but it's just if other things get watered down. So you are so valuable, you're so wonderful, you so have the amazing ability to give life because Jesus is in your heart and he's created you to be like this, to actually go into those dark places and bring light and bring life. He, you're, that's how you're created. The only way you lose your saltiness or you know, don't give that is if you actually get watered down and you forget of how wonderful and amazing you are and how he's created you, our potential to actually make change with God in our life is huge. Don't underestimate your ability to do that. And that's if you're someone who's outward and big and, you know, sings up here or talks or does these kind of things. If you're someone that's so, you know, behind the scenes that you see things that other people don't, those you give life. Don't underestimate who you are. You're you're God and with you and with Jesus, that's who we are. And if you're thinking tonight, well, I'm not in this because I don't even know this Jesus. Well, guess what? He wants you to be the salt. He wants you to partner with him. He wants to give you a life where you are so far beyond where you are now that you become truly human. You become truly who he's created you to be. We're here to have a vibrancy with our God, to make change in this world, to bring chaos into order, to bring light into the darkness. That's who we're created to be. And if you want to start that journey today and you're like, yeah, I want a life like that, then after the service, come and speak to us because it's our God that we reflect. 
It's our God that is the life. We're just the ones that get to bring it into the world. If only we choose to pour it out. (laughs) They're so not going to like these because they're going to be like, oh, they're a little bit old. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) Great. Chelsea, feel free to take those down, love, and enjoy them. Share them around. So... Pour out the salt, hey? Pour out the salt. Now, I've been on holidays and we went down to Falcon, you know, just south of Mandurah and we stayed on the estuary in this little house and it had a window and we could see this beautiful um, estuary where it's just clean and lovely and we took the kids fishing and we caught a blowy and, ah, just fantastic. (laughs) We caught crabs this big and, you know, Matt spent about two hours rigging up lines and baiting everything and the kids are like, yeah! And Matt's like, oh, Dad's fishing. (laughs) But it was wonderful. And looking out at this vast, beautiful estuary, which is like about 136 metres square, right? It's this big estuary on the inland. It goes from Mandra through Falcon and Hall's Head and down, I think, to Clifton. And um, it's it's now full of fish and crabs. It's this amazing wetland with all these different ecosystems and so forth. And, um, And that's how it was for many, many hundreds of years. And then around the 1900s, um, as the population increased around the area of Mandra, they started to drain parts of the wetland so they could use it for pasture and for farming. And um, they also then, obviously, as we do, great humans, we did deforestation and they started to strip that down as well. Um, There was stockyards around the estuary. There was this big piggery. There was um, all the farming chemicals flowing into the estuary and the population growth of Mandra. And in the 1970s and 80s, the estuary became eutrophic or basically full of algae and it was just green and stinky and horrible and horrendous. And they were like, well, what are we going to do about this? You know, and if you're a little bit older than the millennials in the room, you know, might actually remember this issue. And I'm proud to say that I do. And um, they tried all these different ideas. They're like, okay, how about we get a sand plane and we, we put it in the centre and it will absorb more of the nutrients for longer and then the estuary might be able to deal with the algae problem. And that didn't work. And they're like, okay, 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 what do we do if we get we large-scale top dressing of all the farms in the area with bauxite and it will actually stop things flowing off into the water? And they tried that and it didn't work. Like, okay, how about we replant the trees around the area and we try to, you know, re- reverse what we've, the trouble that we've done and they did that and it didn't work. Like, okay, 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 how about we refurbish the aqua fauna habitats and we try to, you know, recreate what was lost and that didn't work. Like, right, let's just move the large-scale industries, get the piggery out of here, the stockyards, let's do all that and see what happens, and it didn't work. Um, then they started educating farmers about better farming practice. They put restrictions on the different fertilisers that they had to put in there so there wasn't so much flow through into the water, and it didn't work. Then they started harvesting the algae with graders and stripping it from the foreshore, and it didn't tell me where they took it. <laughs> But they were taking the algae somewhere else um, and it didn't work. And then they had a mechanical harvesting system for the algae and once again, it didn't work. So all these 
you know, deliberations and effort and time and all these things to try and fix this toxic problem. And they hadn't come to any conclusions. And then they had this very outrageous grand idea that what if 200 metres away, we have the ocean? And what if we dig a trench and we pull it through so then the salt water and the the shoreline and the... um, what's this, current, can come in and out and it can help clear the estuary. What if we try that? Now, this is estimated to be about $37 million. As you can imagine, there was a lot of debate on, are we going to spend all this time and money and this doesn't work? Anyway, so they decided that's what they were going to do. And if you remember, in 1990 to 1994, they built the Dawesville Cut, which is where they dug 200 metres long, out and it's about, oh no, so it's 2.5 kilometres long, 200 metres wide, and it's about 6.5 metres deep. And they dug that between the estuary and the salt water and built a bridge over and had to add all these extra things in to make it work. They moved 1.5 million cubic metres of material to get that to happen. They built a bridge, breakwaters, training walls, all these different things, and it worked. So ever since they put the Dawesville Cut in, down in Manja, they've never once had a blue-green algae outbreak again in the estuary. And the fish have returned and the crabs have returned, very small crabs at the moment. <laughs> and the wetlands have um, increased and everything's healthy again. And if you've ever gone south in Manja, you've driven over the Dawesville Cut, do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, we've driven over it. And it's just this big, you know, <laughs> trench of water and everything's clean. And the thing that I find really amazing is when all these decisions that made, their, um, made the estuary toxic were happening and they're trying to work out these things and then they're like, oh my gosh, we've made these bad choices as we do as people. Okay, let's try to reverse that. And they're trying all these different things all the time and nothing worked and nothing worked and nothing worked. This whole time, the ocean was right there. And it had the solution right there. And all the estuary needed was the salt. And when I think about that, about our own lives, of how many times we have made decisions and it has turned our life toxic. And it's not until we've made that decision that we go, oh my gosh, how have I got here? All right, I'm just full of stuff that I now I just can't fix. And I go, okay, 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 I'm gonna try this. Oh, that didn't work, you know. Or we know someone else and they go, oh, they've got themselves stuck here. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I'm going to try this and it doesn't work. Okay, what about if I try this and it doesn't work? And you get themselves all stuck in this toxic mess. And that whole time, the salt is right there. All those people whose lives are just feeling toxic. They've made decisions and they've gone, oh my gosh, how did I get here? And now it's okay, it's okay, I'll try again. And they're trying this and they're trying that and it doesn't work. And just around the corner, here we are holding the salt. But you know what it takes? It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy to dig that really big channel to make a way that actually pours that salt into those toxic lives and helps clear out the muck and it returns things to how they're supposed to be. Truly human, 
truly free, truly clean and knowing who we are in Christ. We hold the salt, people. We are the ocean right here. And there's toxic things going on right there. And we need to dig a really big trench that takes time and money and risk and challenge and getting out of our safe zone and making a channel that cleans out the toxicity and makes a big difference to the lives of the people around us. We cannot afford to be complacent about what we carry. We carry life. We carry the solution. We are so valuable. We hold the salt, the cleansing, amazing story of God that changes lives. If only we choose to get out of our comfort zone, dig a big jolly trench that takes time and effort and takes risk and takes getting out there and making change. So tonight my challenge to you is this. Don't go out and get busier and thinking you just got to do, 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 do. But go back to your God and say, where do you want me? Where do you want me to pour out this salt? And the opportunities that are right in front of you, be they small with a coffee with your neighbour, be they big like, you know, becoming, running a program outside in your community, whatever you feel that you're being drawn to do, whatever moment you're in, Pour out the salt, the life-giving, amazing, beautiful thing that God has made you because you reflect His goodness. Our God heals. Our God is life. Our God turns chaos into order. He clears out toxicity and He brings in this beautiful fresh of who returns us to who we should be, truly human in His sight, in His image. So pour out the salt and let God do the rest. Amen. Let's worship our God. Let's let Him speak to our souls and let's change the world around us.